Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the first ever episode of Australia on this day. My name's Michael Adams and today we're heading back to Monday the 30th of June 1930. That was the day that Don Bradman, our greatest ever cricketer, scored what he considered to be his greatest ever innings. And our grandparents and great-grandparents heard this historic event as it happened, even though it happened on the other side of the world. Ninety years ago today, thousands of Australians stayed up all night by their wireless sets, listening to the ball-by-ball description of the second test between Australia and England at Lords. What Australians were hoping to hear was Australia's continuing comeback. That was because the Aussies had lost the first test. Then, in the second test, England had scored a whopping 425 in its first innings. But on the second day, Australia came out all bats blazing. Bill Ponsford scored 81. Captain Bill Woodfull racked up 155 before he was dismissed. Meanwhile, young Don Bradman also scored 155, but he was still not out at stumps on that second day. Bradman was then just 21 years old, and 1930 had been when he'd become a true sensation. He'd started the year by setting a world record, 452 not out, for New South Wales at the Sydney Cricket Ground during a Sheffield Shield match against Queensland. Now on this, his first tour of England, the boy from Barrel was giving the English bowlers a flogging, having scored two double centuries in club games and a 131 in the first test. So on the night of the 30th of June, Australians who owned a wireless or who had access to one stayed up to hear how Bradman could build on his 155 not out and how the remaining Australian batsmen would go. The broadcast was relayed around the country from Melbourne station 3DB. In the studio, announcer Frank Russell and former test captain Jack Ryder put their commentary together from a constant stream of cables sent from Lords. As messages were charged by the word, they arrived in a shorthand called cableese, which also sometimes combined two words into one. So a message such as 3 Smith Bradman CVRDR for cover drive 4 might end up as a description like Smith comes in to bowl the third ball of the over. Bradman steps forward, drives the ball through covers, the English fielders chase but it's to no avail and it's another boundary and four more runs for Australia. So it really required Frank Russell and Jack Ryder to be at their creative best, particularly as it was a few years before such broadcasts became synthetic to include sound effects like the tapping of a pencil on a table for bat on ball. Yet listeners tuning in that night still got a full entertainment program. While Frank Russell and Jack Ryder waited for the next cable to arrive from Lords, they'd play music or turn to comedian Charlie Vaud for cricketing-based quips to keep the laughs flowing. 
But Don Bradman was the reason wireless audiences all across Australia were staying up all night, and they were richly rewarded because as the minutes and hours ticked by, they got to hear cricketing history being made. First, Don Bradman passed 173, breaking the record for a first appearance at Lord's. Then he passed 193, the previous record for an Australian at Lord's. Not long after, he hit 200, making him the first Australian batsman to score three double centuries on an English tour. Then Bradman reached 212, beating Billy Murdoch's 1884 knock of 211, and that made him the highest scoring Australian in a test against England. Next, he beat Victor Trumper's 214, made against South Africa in 1911, to become the highest Australian scorer across all tests. Bradman reached 250 with a single and then hit a four to put him on 254. The next ball, Bradman was out. Bold Smith caught Chapman. But his 254 was the second highest test score in history behind English player Reginald Foster's 287, which had stood since 1903. And when Australia declared for 729, it was a world record innings, shattering the previous record of 636 that had been set by England in Sydney in 1928. So, who'd been listening to this triumph on the radio? The Melbourne station 3DB, whose broadcast was relayed around the country, was owned by the Herald newspaper, and it ran a photo of their ideal listeners, a group of gentlemen tuning in amid the stately elegance of the St Kilda Yacht Club. But other newspaper reports indicate it was a more raucous affair for ordinary folk enduring this, the first year of the Depression. People formed parties and walked or drove from home to home in what was like an all-night radio crawl. The Northern Star newspaper in Lismore painted a colourful picture of a community where a lot of people didn't have radios at home or fancy club drawing rooms in which to sit. Quote, Stepladders placed sideways, damaged fruitcases, cushions, minty tins and armchairs were only some of the improvised seats on which crowds estimated at 300 sat and waited in front of the two sporting goods shops in Lismore until 4 o'clock yesterday morning for the Test Cricket News. The article continued, While the announcer from 3DB Melbourne was broadcasting the news, it was possible to have heard a pin drop, but immediately he had finished, cheers rang out from all quarters. Jack Ryder, the ex-Australian eleven captain, gave interesting talks on cricket topics and some of the inexperienced wireless listeners hurled a few questions at him through the loudspeakers. When the crowds moved away at 3.55am yesterday, the litter and rubbish which remained was reminiscent of the hill at the Sydney cricket ground, but there were no beer bottles. Remnants of meat pies, cakes and lollies were left in plenty. After getting a few hours sleep, Australians then had the rest of the day to savour the innings all over again thanks to the newspapers publishing blow-by-blow accounts. The headline of Sydney's Daily Pictorial read, Records crash when Don Bradman swings his bat. Then there was this in the sun, Record orgy, how they were broken. In another article in that newspaper, Bradman's dad gave an account of staying up all night. Quote, Of course, we were listening in, and our first concern was to see Don get his 200. Then came the excitement of following his chase after Murdoch's record, and we could not refrain from a cheer when he passed this 46-year-old milestone. Bradman Sr. continued, 
Probably in the interest of the team, he was trying to force the pace, but although he failed to beat Foster's score of 287, he certainly did his share in putting the team in what we hope is a winning position. The next night, everyone listened in again as England replied with 375, and then the Aussies quickly scored 72 for three wickets to win the test by seven wickets. Describing the finale of this test broadcast, Melbourne's The Herald newspaper gave itself a pat on the back. Quote, The detailed broadcast by The Herald station was the biggest thing attempted in the history of radio in Australia. It had an audience in every state of the Commonwealth, and hundreds of telegrams, telephone messages, and letters of congratulation were received from grateful listeners. In the third test at Leeds, Bradman would shatter the world record by scoring a massive 334, and Australia would go on to win the series 2-1. While that 334 was Bradman's highest test score, it was actually the 254 at Lords that he always considered his best innings. In his 1950 autobiography, Farewell to Cricket, he wrote of that innings, quote, Practically without exception, every ball went where it was intended to go, even the one from which I was dismissed, but the latter went slightly up in the air, and Percy Chapman, with a miraculous piece of work, held the catch. And here's how Don Bradman summed it up in a radio interview back in the day. Any artist must surely aim at perfection, and that is why I think Lord's 1930 is my first choice. In his autobiography, Bradman remembered the 1932 tour as a wonderful time off the field as well, with highlights including meeting King George V and the Prince of Wales and speaking to Australia by radio telephone when such a thing had only been possible for a few months. But what Bradman's book didn't mention was the other record he made in England that golden year. In September 1930, he made a 78 RPM gramophone record at Columbia Studios in London in which he talked about cricket. Somebody has just asked me how one makes a cricket record. Of course, the record had a B-side, so Bradman included what we might now call bonus features on the disc. A talented piano player, he recorded two solos, one called Old Fashioned Locket and the other Bungalow of Dreams. Bradman didn't just play music, he also turned his hand to composing. Back in Australia in December 1930, The Sun reported, quote, Don Bradman, famous cricketer, has broken out in a new direction. He is now a songwriter. His first attempt, Every Day is a Rainbow for Me, has just been published by D. Davis & Co. Limited, and, as it is a tuneful number, should find a ready sale. The words were composed by Jack Lumsdane. This was a time when sheet music was a big business because people gathered around the piano at night in the home for good old-fashioned sing-alongs. But Bradman's song had a life beyond that. Every Day is a Rainbow for Me was included in the pantomime Beauty and the Beast, which was performed at the Grand Opera House and, during the run, on Tuesday the 6th of January 1931, they held Don Bradman Night. The man himself was there to hear his song sung and took to the stage after the show to receive the audience applause. He told his fans, quote, I enjoyed hearing my song and hope you appreciate my first humble effort as a composer. The Sydney Morning Herald's reporter did, saying the number had, quote, proved pleasantly melodious and sentimental. A month later, Bradman was at Columbia Gramophone Studios in Homebush when the song was recorded by Jack Lumsdane and the Stella Dance Band. 
The Sydney Morning Herald noted, quote, Every record will bear a replica of the famous batsman's signature. But with the depression worsening and belts ever tighter, Bradman's record wasn't a hit and soon faded into obscurity. That was until it got a new life in 2009, when it was recorded by his granddaughter, renowned soprano Greta Bradman, for inclusion on the double CD, Don Bradman, The Music He Loved. Courtesy of Universal Music, here's a little sample of Greta's version of Don Bradman's least known record. I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.